Oh God, bless us this day with understanding. As the Holy Scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, open our hearts and our minds to more readily accept you, Lord. May Jesus Christ be our key for unlocking the mystery of faith and for opening the door to your kingdom by your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church. And let God's people say, Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Genesis chapter 17, verses 9 through 14. God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants in every generation. This is my covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Circumcise every male. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskins, and it will be a symbol of the covenant between us. On the eighth day after birth, every male in every generation must be circumcised, including those who are not your own children, those born in your household, and those purchased with silver from foreigners. Be sure you circumcise those born in your household and those purchased with your silver. Your flesh will embody my covenant as an enduring covenant. Any uncircumcised male whose flesh of his foreskin remains uncircumcised will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Our New Testament reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. Some people came down from Judea, teaching the family of believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom we received from Moses, you can't be saved. Paul and Barnabas took sides against these Judeans and argued strongly against their position. The church at Antioch appointed Paul, Barnabas, and several others from Antioch to go up to Jerusalem to set this question before the apostles and the elders. The church sent this delegation on their way. They traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, telling stories about the conversion of the Gentiles to everyone. Their reports thrilled the brothers and sisters. When they arrived in Jerusalem, the church, the apostles, and the elders all welcomed them. They gave a full report of what God had accomplished through their activity, Some believers from among the Pharisees stood up and claimed, The Gentiles must be circumcised. They must be required to keep the law from Moses. The apostles and the elders gathered to consider this matter. After much debate, Peter stood and addressed them. Fellow believers, you know that early on God chose me from among you as the one through whom the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and come to believe. God, who knows people's deepest thoughts and desires, confirmed this by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, but purified their deepest thoughts and desires through faith. Why, then, are you now challenging God by placing a burden on the shoulders of these disciples that neither we nor our ancestors could bear? On the contrary, we believe that we and they are saved in the same way, by the grace of the Lord Jesus. The entire assembly fell quiet as they listened to Barnabas and Paul describe all the signs and wonders God did among the Gentiles through their activity. When Barnabas and Paul also fell silent, James responded, Fellow believers, listen to me. Simon reported how in his kindness God came to the Gentiles in the first place to raise up from them a people of God. The prophet's words agree with this as it is written, After this I will return and I will rebuild David's fallen tent. I will rebuild what has been torn down. I will restore it so that the rest of humanity will seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who belong to me. The Lord says this, the one who does these things known from the earliest times. 
Therefore, I conclude that we shouldn't create problems for Gentiles who turn to God. Instead, we should write a letter telling them to avoid the pollution associated with idols, sexual immorality, eating meat from strangled animals, and consuming blood. After all, Moses has been proclaimed in every city for a long time and is read aloud every Sabbath in every synagogue. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we reach the final part of our Lens of Christ series, we come to a very, very important moment in the early church. And in some ways, this moment actually defines the church as what it is outside of its roots. Up until this point, followers of Christ would be considered Jews. They were Jews who followed Christ, and simply that. They followed the laws, they kept all of the Old Covenant, and simply believed that Christ was the fulfillment of those things. But a problem arises, and it causes a division. And the problem is circumcision. As we heard from Abraham... His covenant with God was every male will be circumcised. Full stop. There's no except, there's no buts. Every male who is to be saved must be circumcised. If you are going to enter the temple, you must be circumcised. If you are going to take part in sacrifices, you must be circumcised. If you are going to have any sort of position that's going to afford you any sort of respect, you must be circumcised. The issue begins when Paul goes out and starts preaching Christ to the Gentiles. And they go, oh, he taught that we should love one another? I can get behind that. It's like, yes, okay. And he, he died for my sins because I need to be forgiven? I can understand that. And if we follow him and we repent and we try to live a better life, and we follow what Christ taught about loving one another and caring for one another and building God's kingdom here on earth, then we can find life everlasting in the kingdom. And Paul's response, of course, had been, yes, you can. That sounds wonderful. He says, all you have to do is be circumcised. Then comes the hesitation. Now, the hesitation comes because this is not something that you would do lightly. There's a reason that they wanted everybody to have it done on the eighth day of their life. Because then you don't remember it and you likely don't feel as much. Things are different as an adult. And they talk about this. Circumcision at one point is used as a trick to be able to kill a whole group of people because they agree to be circumcised, and while they are sitting there in pain, they are slaughtered. It's nothing like what we have today. We have all sorts of safety procedures, and we have scalpels and all sorts of medical tools, and ways that we can do it and have it be a very easy thing. These are people who are going to use a pot shard to remove the skin. 
the risk of injury and disease is tremendous. The Gentiles go, well, you know, I was on board with all of this. But I think you're asking just a bit too much here because I can't do that. And so Paul goes, well, maybe we don't have to. Maybe all that stuff that you just said you were willing to do is more important than cutting off some skin. So maybe we'll just skip that step. And then come the opposition. Nope, nope, everybody has to be circumcised. We've always done it. It's commanded. The law says, do it. So we do it. The law says it has to be done for every male, so we're going to do it for every male, and if you can't, then you don't belong. And it starts a fight. It starts a rift big enough to tear things apart. And in the end, in a way, it does. Because this decision helps to set the Christians apart from the Jews. In that they still hold that circumcision is required because if you are under the covenant of Abraham, then you have to be circumcised. And the question is, how did the early church make the decision that it was okay not to? Their deliberations begin to hinge on what Christ's message is. We have very little that Christ says about the need to be circumcised. We have a lot about what it means to follow God. When Christ says that all the law and all the prophets are fulfilled in loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself, for what it means to follow the law. And what Paul sees is They're not helping anybody by following the circumcision rule. If anything, they're clinging to an old rule that nobody could uphold. And when I say nobody, I mean pretty much nobody. Everyone who we mention, starting with Abraham and going forward, messed up in some way and couldn't keep this covenant without God's help. That multiple times, Abraham gets himself into trouble and lets his wife be taken by some foreign leader because he was too afraid to say, this is my wife. He ends up having a child that he has to send away because he takes a servant as his concubine, worried that God wouldn't keep his promise. We see it in Abraham's descendants. Jacob cheating Eve's birthright. We see Joseph being sold into slavery by his own brothers. We see it in David, causing calamity on the entire nation because he can't stop from taking Bathsheba for himself. We see it with Solomon, worshiping foreign gods because of his many, 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 many wives. Time and again, everybody who's held up under this covenant has shown that they couldn't keep their end of the bargain. So Christ makes a new covenant. 
one not by human flesh that requires us to do something as a physical sign, but he makes a covenant basically that we can't mess up. Because the promise is that Christ has died for us so that we can avoid death. He has died to forgive our sins. Notice how there's not an if on there. It's not if we go and we chop a better ourselves off. It's not if. It's he has done this and it is done. He has died for our sins and it is there for the taking. All it requires is the taking. They realize that the old law has become a stumbling block. It's not helping anybody. They have all these Gentiles that are eager. They are eager to see God's kingdom here on this earth. They are eager to go out and do. They are eager to go out and start doing all they can to help spread the good news. If only they were allowed in. If only they could be part of the congregation. So they're faced with a dilemma. The law as it stands, word for word, or Christ's teachings. Because the two don't hold up together. And so they decide that maybe, maybe if Christ was willing to do all this for us, then maybe we should be focused on that. Maybe we should be focused on where we're going and not so much on where we came from. Maybe we should be focused on his mission for us ahead instead of the rules that we've been handed down that aren't doing anything to help us. Maybe it's not that bit of skin that we cut off the body, but maybe it's having a circumcised heart when we remove the hate and leave only love that that's what God truly wants. Because if working on the Sabbath, if doing good is okay, if the Sabbath rules don't apply to us in the same way anymore, and if we are free from the punishments that we have been so eager to give each other because we find forgiveness in Christ, and if all the dietary rules have already been thrown out the window because there's nothing we can put into our bodies that's going to contaminate us, then maybe the important part of this agreement is loving God and loving one's neighbor as you would love yourself. And if that's the important part, then maybe we have to reread these laws with that in mind. And I tell you what, if I'm going to love my neighbor as I love myself, I'm going to be thinking about how much the idea of circumcision would scare me and how much it must scare them and think, well, maybe forgiveness and a little bit of mercy and going, you know what, maybe, maybe that's not as important as we thought. Because you're doing everything else. Maybe carrying out these punishments isn't the way to move forward, but showing forgiveness and moving forward in Christ's mercy is the way to go forward. That 
maybe instead of trying to continue to put up these walls and say, we are special and you are not, maybe Christ is trying to say, I love you all. And to me, you are all special. And you all belong. And the church becomes the church as we know it. It becomes the church as we know it because it breaks away from its Jewish history. And it breaks away because of the need to be able to move on to become something bigger. That it's no longer about a small tribe in the desert. It's no longer about this one little nation. It's about the world. And if it's going to be about the world, then they've got to be able to reach the world. And if they're going to reach the world, they've got to figure out what's important. This one hang-up that some of them have, or the kingdom. And yet there were still those hung up on that one rule. They would forsake building the kingdom to be able to say, nope, I will never share a stage with one of those people. It's difficult because it calls into question everything we know. But when does Christ not call everything we know into question? Constantly we are challenged by Christ to love in a way that we never thought possible. And every time we think that we have loved all that we can, we find out we have more love to give. Every time we think that we have hit the wall and that there are no more challenges we can overcome... Christ gives us that boost to find out there is still something more out there. And every time we think that we have broken down every barrier that we have, we find another one that Christ says, well, what about this one? I see there's still a wall. What are you going to do about this one? And we face a choice. Just as that council in Jerusalem did. Do we seek the letter of the law or do we ask for God's guidance on how we move forward in his grace and his mercy? Christ saw fit to die on a cross for me. And for the life of me, I don't know why. Because I know I don't deserve it. But I know that he did. And if he did, I don't want to waste that gift. I don't want to waste that gift throwing people out because I decide that a little bit of skin or a little bit of knowledge is too much that I have to have these barriers to say I am special. Because I already know that I am. I know it because Christ gave his life for me. And that's enough. The law and the prophets hinge on the idea that 
If we love God and love each other, we have fulfilled all that God has asked. Let us live every day viewing our brothers and sisters through the lens of Christ. Every day knowing that it's not us who prepare ourselves for the covenant. It is Christ who has claimed us. It is Christ who has sacrificed for us that all, all may freely come to him. Amen.